<laughs> Alexi, good morning. How are you? I am great. How are you, Al? It's always I'm, good to see you. Absolutely. Great to see you. And uh, for those who uh, might not know, uh, this is Lexi Martin. She is lead researcher at Vizier and the chairwoman of the People Intelligence Alliance. So beyond that, Lexi, will you please introduce yourself a bit and a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today? Sure. So, uh, you know, I've been thinking about titles. Um, I am no longer the head of research at Vizier. Um, uh, you know, that's been a role that I have abdicated a bit, and it's been taken over by Andrea Derlair and several others, which is interesting. <laughs> um, but um, I am the chair of the People Intelligence Alliance. I was thinking that chair is good enough, you know, chairwoman, chairman, chairperson, sure. make it easy, chair. All right, let's uh, go chair. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, background, I'm a really longtime researcher. I think people in the industry probably know that I manage this. You're a Cedar HR Systems Survey for the first 15, 16 years that looked at the value of HR technologies, at adoption and the value of HR technologies. And at Vizier, what I've been doing is, you know, kind of talking to customers about the value they're getting from people analytics, their practices, you know, what are the best practices. And I've also done a lot of work kind of digging into aggregate data that we have on employees to mm -hmm. see, you know, what's happening as a result of using people analytics. And I'll talk a little bit about that as we get going here. Well, fantastic. And I'm going to bring up this uh, first slide because it introduces our, our topic uh, today of you know, inclusion analytics. So do you want to set the stage for you know, yeah, what this work actually, is? And how I think it what I'd up? like to do, though, is go to the next slide and kind of put it in, in a perspective of the uh, People Intelligence Alliance. So if you could go to that second slide. Absolutely. I, I will do that. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the People Intelligence Alliance uh, is a, a group of data-driven leaders that are really dedicated to steer the future of work towards openness, towards transparency, towards collaboration. You know, what does that mean? It's, I think it's best uh, stated by our mission which is to connect information seamlessly between applications in support of better people decisions so as to eradicate bias and make people count. You know, and some of the words we use, Al, have been very much, you know, kind of uh, supported by you, I think. You know, the, you know, use people data for the good. Um, and actually, I think there's no better topic you know, than to, mm -hmm. to show the, the, the need for data connectivity than inclusion analytics. And, you know, the PIA was born out of the recognition that, you know, there is no one vendor solution that has all the data about people in an organization. And so we need to come together. You know, we need to come to together and find better ways for data to be connected so that new levels of insight can be achieved and used for the good of people. Yeah, I, you said that very eloquently. And it's also the case where, to your point, it's not one solution that ultimately is going to be an ecosystem of solutions. An ecosystem arguably is a buzzword, is arguably overused. However, it's, it's a truism. 
insofar as it, there's going to be several vendors and how those come together and how the underlying data comes together, not only presents great opportunity, but it also presents great risk and responsibility. So yeah, can you speak to that and what we're doing with the people? By the way, I, I am honored to be a, a member of the- Yeah, well, uh, yeah, put, up, put up the slide on who the members are because, you know, okay. uh, our agenda is driven by the by the council members, mm -hmm. you know. So this is a an, a the, the thought leadership council of whom you are a primary member. You know, it's a collaboration. It's a community of you know analytics practitioners who are dealing with the challenges of not having easy data connectivity. It's, you know, a collaboration with vendors that are really dedicated to better data connectivity. Um, it's researchers like Stacia Gar and Kathy Andaris and myself to some extent and academics and, you know, all of them being thought leaders. And I just love to be able to work with all of you. And I love the fact that I'm also supported by you know, uh, some really fabulous colleagues, Lyra Mubagari, uh, Victoria Nordal, Tara Martins. I think you've had the opportunity to meet all of them. So the council, you know, kind of drives the agenda. And one, our latest topic in a webinar that we did last month was on the topic of inclusion analytics. You know, and, and as I said, it's a great case for data connectivity. Um, so I've got a, a few slides, you know, that speak to what we've been talking about, um, <clears throat> you know, and in addressing the problem to solve, we found that it's really important to be clear about what we are measuring and definitions really matter. So we have a very simple, you know, we started with a very simple um, definition, inclusion analytics digs deeper than basic diversity metrics to uncover the lived inclusion um, of, uh, of, uh, of people in the organization. So, you know, we recognize that inclusion is often measured um, through, through sentiment analysis, you know, through employee engagement data, um, you know. And the, but the point is the way we define it uh, kind of dictates how we're going to go about measuring it. Um, and I think that I think there's more to it than it just being the lived inclusion experience of employees. I think we also need to focus on the why we want to improve inclusion, because that's going to open up measurement approaches. Um, you know, for example, you know, I think about the fact that people want everybody in their organizations wants to make a difference. You know, not only for themselves but also for the organization. They want to feel included, and I think feelings are incredibly important, but we also want to see whether they're able to make a difference so that they can achieve, you know, outcomes that are important to them as well as to the, to the business. And then, you know, if our definition also includes what the outcomes are, then we can talk about linking um, inclusion experience to outcomes that matter, things like, um, you know, financial performance or customer satisfaction. Um, so we need a lot of expanded data sets to measure inclusion and to, you know, uh, show that link to the outcomes that matter. Yeah, 
particularly with outcomes, here are some <laughs> that I was taken by. Uh, yeah. th these are big differences here. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as a researcher, you know, uh, the why we want to focus on improving inclusion is really important because it actually makes a difference. You know, and I said earlier that I've been doing a lot of research uh, with employee data that, that we manage. I think it's up to almost 15 million employee records now. So we can see how organizations that are using people analytics are doing to uh, with their work to improve diversity, equity, and and inclusion, and we can see that they're they've got a better female uh, leadership ratio. We can see that they're um, uh, uh, promoting female managers, for example, so that we have a better successor pool, uh, and women can break the glass ceiling. So we can really see that people analytics adoption is making a difference, at least at the aggregate level. And that that chart you showed on the financial performance, you know, we were we did a survey um, of our customers' maturity practices, and those that are working to improve DEI, their financial impact, their financial performance is better than available metrics on financial performance that I get from CSI or Stern. And they're even better than, uh, you know, busier customers that are not yet focusing on trying to improve diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, you know, and, and you know, so it, it, it's just phenomenal to me that finally I've been able to see that there is a tangible impact, you know, when organizations are working to improve diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we always, yeah, just to pause you there real quick, because there's inclusion has often, his, when you look back in time, been kind of a buzzword, nice to have, but now, correct me if I'm wrong, not only is it critical given COVID and remote work and the difficulty to actually feel included, because like you're feeling included in a virtual um, um virtual means but we're also seeing to the slide that you just highlighted it delivering financial value that again had been hypothesized we all thought it would be you know the case but it's it sometimes gets lumped in with engagement sometimes it gets lumped in with other constructs but this is an isolated um, construct that needs to be elevated because I, I would go so far as that to say that engagement happens downstream of inclusion. Are you seeing anything like that or what's your feelings or ideas on that? Yeah, I mean, what I showed you there is, you know, just it's a correlation of those that are working to improve DEI and those, those that aren't. Uh, there's so much more to the value of diversity, equity, and inclusion, though. And it, it's not always just, you know, measured by correlation to financial performance. It, you know, it's it's also can be measured with customer satisfaction. You know, if you're doing diversity, equity, inclusion work, you know, you can also take a look at whether your customers are more satisfied with your services. Mm -hmm. um, you know, employee engagement itself, you know, you can see whether or not, um, you know, em employees are are feeling included, whether they know that they can make a difference. Um, you know, it's measured through patient outcomes in healthcare, you know, included employees, um, you know, make a difference to the people they serve. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was trying, I, I better not go here. There was, I was, I was noticing 
a, a gal at Whole Foods the other day that gave me the absolute best service in a particular situation, you know, and she's a person, she was a person of color. She obviously felt empowered to be able to do the right thing for me. Yeah. And, I, and I guess that's the, the point I want to make about inclusion is not only does it link to improved financial performance as we've been able to show there, but it's also just the right thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we're highlighting, and I love that anecdote that you just shared, is that this is something that everyone's talking about, but actually doing it and measuring it and finding out what's working and what's not working and then adjusting over time. Correct me if I'm wrong from what you're seeing in the data or what you're seeing anecdotally. This is an ongoing process. This is not a checkbox where you're, okay, we've done that, you know, we're done. This, this is a cultural you know, norm that is being developed where this language is probably going to stick around right? hopefully forever. Yeah. Right, 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 right. You know, um, maybe a place to go in the, the slides that I gave you is that one called Cool Practices. Can mm -hmm. you bring that up for a second? Or maybe a little bit longer than a second? <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for making that big, bigger. <clears throat> you know, Melissa Arante from Medallia and I have been uh, working on this notion of people's experience of inclusion. You know, Medallia does such great work with employee experience, and we, we started to just apply the concepts of employee experience to inclusion and realize that there are moments that matter where an employee, where, where the organization and its managers and the culture and its processes show up as being inclusive or not. And, you know, so if we if we look at those various moments that matter, we can capture a whole bunch of inclusion signals and link those to outcomes that matter. Uh, and I can get very geeky here. And I see uh, Melissa Arante is on the phone. I hope I'm going to do justice to this. But, you know, take um, take take the example of, you know, whether the right people are involved in key decisions. You know, so the decision moments that can be uh, captured and measured might be things like meeting invite data or speaker data or the speech analysis of participants. Um, and, you know, the insights that we can get there are whether, you know, certain uh, groups are more frequently interrupted or left out uh, meaning that their input input is not impacting outcomes. And, and I can go down each of these and give you examples of the inclusion experience and the signals that can be used to get various insights from. You know, a big area is, you know, network participation. You know, it's the network or team makeup. It's Slack participation. It's you know, invites to Zoom calls, it's invitation list, it's, you know, who's in the affinity group. And the, the kinds of insights you get from that are things like, you know, is, is there any bias in team composition? Um, you know, what about the likes by team members? Um, are they the same or different by gender? 
or you know any other diverse uh, representation. What about connections to high-powered networks? What about the strength of connections within networks that's measured through organizational network analysis? Um, you know, you can also you know just analyze um, using text analytics or comments. Um, you know, the the kind of participation that that is available in networks. And then there's, you know, I can go on and on here. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm going to let you say something. <laughs> no, yeah, well, um, one, that is uh, you know, a comprehensive view, which the reason I call that out is that we as workers exist over time. And we have a bunch of different moments that matter. And one of the things that I've seen many organizations shy away from is that, hey, it's too complex. Hey, I, I don't want to you know, go there. I already know that people don't feel included or I, I have a problem, but you know, to analyze it takes aggregating data and analyzing data. And I don't have the tools. Everyone else has their day job and it doesn't become a, a priority. But one of the things that I think you're highlighting is that this is worth analyzing. And I would go so far as to say, and again, I'm biased here, so I'll own my bias, that it is essential to analyze. Otherwise, you're just shooting in the dark. You just, you don't know what, in fact, are those moments that matter. Yeah. So your investments then don't reap the desired return or they just go you know, by the wayside. So one of the things that, well, actually, actually, were you gonna comment on that? Well, I was just going to say that it's maybe not as hard as people think to to collect data and measure and analyze it, you know, because we, you know, anybody who's doing any kind of employee experience work, employee engagement work, you know, can ask the right questions about feelings of inclusion. But there's also objective data available from our transactional systems, you know, about, you know, who's getting career um, you know, mentorship opportunities, um, you know, who are we working to retain? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we can look at all of that, that uh, information. It's, and, you know, that objective data is very easy to get. You know, some of it, you know, maybe takes a little more investment, but, you know, it's available to us. Well, that's a, a good segue into uh, what can be done today. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you want to speak to this? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I mean, we we tackle um, or uh, inclusion analytics, um, you know, through so many sources of data. You know, we've got sentiment data, we've got survey data, uh, which are the perception data. But um, and then, as I said, there's all the transactional data from organizational inter interactions. You know, there's engagement data, network participation, recognition data, meeting invitations, speaker time per, you know, person in a meeting. Uh, there's demographic data, um, you know, in all those transactional systems. One of the things we did a, a webinar last um, late last month on inclusion analytics with some of the uh, People Intelligence Alliance Council members. And we were talking about, you know, what are the uh, places that organizations should start or could start, you know, so it is that perception data and then secondarily participation data. So if there's any prioritization to it, it's probably those two, but then also recognizing that there's so much objective data that can be brought to bear. So in, with that, when you were collecting all this data, there's a certain something that pops, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm talking about this. 
Yeah, well, it, it, there's there's this for sure. Um, you know, there's also the question of who owns the data, and you know, it is the employees' data, and it is the organization's responsibility for stewarding that. And um, you know, so the better question is, you know, who do we need to partner with to get the data? And Stacia Gar was talking about there being kind of bubbles of influence of what HR owns and what's outside. And so, you know, there's a need to partner outside of HR, for example, to get, you know, financial data. Uh, but we have to also just remember that ultimately it is the employee's data and we need to have a sense of humility and responsibility and that that's going to help us with our partnership to get data. And it, that other slide, you know, uh, that has the <clears throat> ethics and privacy issues, you know, some of the partnerships we need to make, <clears throat> excuse me, or for example, if we're going to embark on any diversity and inclusion work, you know, you need to make friends with your legal counsel. Um, but then um, Lydia Wu, is, who was on our uh, last uh, webinar call was saying that, you know, that demographic data that we're talking about for the majority of employees in the US, organizations are already reporting on that with their EEO1 data. Uh, and if, you know, in certain cases like California and Illinois, you're already reporting it uh, via the Pay Equity Act. You know, you have to report compensation and pay data. So, you know, the data is not that you know, not being hidden, it's available to you. But you also need to make friends with uh, with your with your legal counsel. And then I think probably more important than anything is you have to be really clear about why you're collecting this data. You know, and that uh, you know, for example, you can't collect some data on religion or sexual identity. Um, so, you know, you just have to be very careful about some of this data. Um, and I, I feel like I'm abdicating the questions around ethics and privacy, uh, but I do wanna say that the People Intelligence Alliance, that's the next theme that we're gonna cover over the next couple of months. And you might wanna say something about your commitment to that topic. Well, I, it's, what you just shared is one of the many reasons I love hugging you and I just love who you are because it it is, made me split my <laughs> it's, it, when somebody else says that we have a responsibility to steward employee data, workers data, it just, it makes me smile inside because we need more people understanding that and in turn taking appropriate action. And that is what I mean by people data for good. And that to spell that out more clearly, it's promoting the ethical and responsible use of people data analytics and AI for the benefit of individuals, first and foremost, teams, groups, including diversity groups, organizations and society at large that's a very ambitious uh endeavor uh however you know we're going to need groups like the positive coaching uh, positive coaching alliance i went as an organization All these alliances out there, huh? <laughs> All these alliance, people intelligence alliance and others 
if yeah, when there's a pledge and there's, you know, becoming a member and following all that stuff, but it's another thing to develop habits and a way of being to check yourself, to have the courage to say no. Um, yes, because we can do something analytically, is it the right thing to do? You know, do we have the fortitude? Do we have the, uh, the governance structure to press pause? And, and, you know, and that's when we talk about an ethics charter and things like that, yeah. which we're going to be talking about what next next no, two wednesday two wednesdays yes on the 23rd uh well actually the 23rd work uh the forum is still on inclusion analytics you yeah. know and yes we can certainly talk about that but you have to show up al and ask I, the questions i will be there <laughs> and provide <laughs> the input from your perspective um you know so we, we have this series of uh, you know, the council gets together and talks about a topic. We do a webinar and then we do an open forum where people who have something to share or ask questions about come. And that's the next one on February 23rd. Uh, so, you know, I very much invite anybody who is listening to us today, you know, join the People Intelligence Alliance. You know, once you've done that, you're able to sign up for the various uh, events that we're doing. Um, and one of the things we're doing with everything that we're coming up with is also, you know, coming up with resources for practitioners. Uh, so on that uh, particular slide, there were a number of, of uh, reports that come out of from researchers, from practitioners, you know, that are doing really stellar work in um, in uh, inclusion analytics. And when we get to the topic of ethics and privacy we'll share the sample ethics charters. We'll take a look at, you know, who needs to be on the governance committee. And, you know, while we can't dictate what organizations do, we can certainly, you know, kind of guide uh, some of what organizations begin to do. So look forward to our next theme, which will be ethics and privacy after we finish the inclusion analytics one. <laughs> Well, yeah, I have to compliment you, Vizier, the fellow council members on bringing this to life because uh, I've been fortunate to watch it develop and, and grow. And I think we're on to something because the community needs this. And it's not just coming from one entity, one person. It does take a collective, diverse group. Wisdom, to... wisdom of many, as we say. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and the and the uh, the contributions of people like you that, you know, guide us, guide the alliance community towards, you know, using people data for good and eradicating bias. And, you know, a lot of that can come through connecting disparate data and doing our measurement and analysis on that to improve inclusion or diversity or skills or you know whatever it is that we're focused on well as we wrap here um thank you for being you thank you for doing what you do how can people learn more about you and the people intelligence alliance and vizier well, follow me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. I'm Lexi Martin. Uh, but, you know, more importantly, follow the People Intelligence Alliance. And, you know, if you if you resonate with any of the ideas that Al and I've talked about today, you know, join the People Intelligence Organization. 
uh, and it will you know, give you access to the webinars we do, to the forums we do, and the content that beautiful people like you come up with to share. <laughs> And you, Lexi, you're very mm -hmm. kind. I appreciate you immensely and uh, look forward to seeing you in person. Uh, oh. Get one of those real hugs, uh, you know, very soon. So Come enjoy visit. it. Yeah, look forward to it. All right. Thank you again. You be well. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.